Uh, so today's scripture comes from the book of Psalms and Genesis. Um, you get a two-for-one deal here. Uh, passages that beautifully describe our relationship with God. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are humans that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And from Genesis, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Abby. Good morning, dear friends and fellow seekers of truth. Today, we gather to explore one of the most profound and timeless aspects of our existence, the soul. It is said that the soul is the essence of who we are, the divine spark within us, and the key to understanding our purpose in this world. So, let us embark on a journey to explore the depths of our souls and discover the significance they hold in our lives. That was an introduction to a sermon by my new friend, ChatGBT. <laughs> this week I typed in, write a five-minute sermon on the soul, and immediately it started spitting out words, including that introduction. So that is from our friend, ChatGPT. If you like that better than me, I'm a little worried uh, and anxious about that. But it's been fascinating this week as I'm finally starting to get on a little bit, not that I wouldn't say that ChatGPT bandwagon, but at least I'm beginning to explore it a bit, and I know others have as well. Because to be honest, I've been a little slow to do so. Because anything that remotely smacks of being non-human makes me nervous. And so I just tend to ignore it. But of course, we can't escape it. Google, whenever I go on some kind of Google document, tries desperately to help finish my sentences. Various chatbots pop up on the internet asking me if I want to confer, uh, converse with them. Siri, of course, is always ready to put on any requested music that I ask of it, or ready to answer the question, hey Siri, how old is Harrison Ford? 81, by the way. As a staff, we have been exploring all of these things. And so rather than going down lots of rabbit holes about what AI is, I wondered, others have wondered too, well, what exactly does it mean to be human? And I'm grateful for Abby's beginning to reflect on that with us today. It's a big question. What does it mean to be human? Some of you may have seen the movie The Imitation 
game about the British mathematician Alan Turing, who is credited with inventing the Turing test, which for many years was the main way that individuals would differentiate between a computer and a human. More sophisticated tools have been developed since then, but I think it's still helpful for us to ask the questions, what differentiates us from artificial forms of life? What makes us, us? And so we'll be exploring this over the next few weeks as we get a sense, and there are lots of different ways to perhaps answer that, and we're gonna take just a few of those. Perhaps one of the ways is to begin to see how does God see us as humans. And the psalm today gives us a really lovely way of seeing that, the unique relationship that we have with God. The psalmist says, you have made them, you have made humans just a little bit lower than God. But I think also perhaps one thing that makes humans unique, that makes us us, is having a soul. Now. In case you're curious, I also asked ChatGPT, I typed in the question, do you have a soul? It said no. It said ChatGPT is a computer program, a form of artificial intelligence created by OpenAI. It operates based on algorithms, data, and machine learning techniques. It lacks consciousness, self-awareness, emotions, and the spiritual or metaphysical qualities often associated with the concept of a soul. Or at least that's what it wants us to believe. <laughs> So, if having a soul is one way that differentiates us, perhaps, from AI, what exactly is a soul? That's a really big and interesting question. Some of you may have heard there's an early church bishop and theologian, African uh, bishop named Augustine, and he once observed that, I have therefore found nothing about the origin of the soul in the canonical scriptures, meaning I looked through all the Bible, I didn't necessarily see anything specifically about what a soul is. So I want to ask you, this is not a rhetorical question, I want you to feel free to just share, what's, when you think of the soul, what's one word that pops into your mind? Essence. Thank you, Vicki. Emotion. Emotion. Conscience. Eternal. Eternal. Any Not other? AI. What's that? Not being AI. Not being AI. Okay. Core. Core. Personality. Personality. These are all really fascinating words, and they're kind of in different places. And so we begin to think about, all right, what exactly is this thing that we talk about, make movies about? So one of the first things, whenever I wonder these things, right behind me in my library at home, I have this handy book called The Dictionary of Theological Terms. And so I got that out. It's like we have a slide for this. So this dictionary tries to define the soul in this way. At first, it gives different words in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. We're going to come back to the Hebrew word in a moment. But it says, primarily soul is what it calls the life principle. And it cites this passage from Genesis. Again, I'll come back to that in a minute. It said for Hebrews, it indicated the unity of the person as a living body. The New Testament term also refers to one's life or existence after death. And so whenever we come together, perhaps and mourn the loss of a loved one, we may talk in general terms about their soul lives on. And I think sometimes we say that, and it sounds good, and we, 
just picture what that must look like, but it's hard to really nail down what exactly this is. And so this is where I think this passage from Genesis, we can go back to the Genesis verse. Again, it says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now this word being, you remember earlier, so sorry, Anna, I'm making you go back and forth here. Go back to the definition again. That Hebrew word, nephesh. Nephesh. Now, let's go back to the passage from Genesis. The word, and the man became a living being. The word being is nephesh. So how nephesh is often used, especially in the Hebrew scriptures, nephesh means, or it's translated as soul in the Hebrew scriptures. And here we see God, this is part of that special relationship that we have with God. God breathing into the nostrils of the first humans, the breath of life, and the person became a living being, became nephesh, soul, essence of who they are. So again, lots of different definitions, but one definition that I particularly like is an author that I know many of you uh, read and also enjoy, Richard Rohr. And in the book Immortal Diamond, he defines soul as this. He says, I think of soul as anything's ultimate meaning which is held within. Soul is the blueprint inside of every living thing that tells it what it is and what it can become. The blueprint inside every living thing that tells it what it is and what it can become. Abby kind of touched on this. I wrote down a few words that, so correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Abby talked about the curious, compassionate, weird blend of who we are. And that might get at what soul is, something holy, sacred within all of us, a blueprint that tells us who we are and what we might become. Now, interestingly, Rohr goes on to say this about the soul. So I think we have a slide for this. He says, we would have done much better to help other Christians discover their souls instead of trying to save them. My sense, after being a priest for almost 50 years, is that most Christians are trying to save something they have not even found. Isn't that interesting? I have had many conversations over the years, and I know many of you have had these conversations too, and people saying, I am worried about the state of your soul because of who you are, because of who you love. I've had people times over the years tell me, I am worried about the state of your soul because of your church and what it is and who it welcomes and who it uh, brings into the midst of our community. And so one of these days, I'm going to say, friend, I appreciate your worry, but let's take a look at you and your own soul. And what do you know about your soul? And what are you discovering about it, about your own soul? And I think this, rather than worrying about saving someone else's, what does it mean to discover your own? That blueprint of who you are and what you can become. And I think this is one of the fascinating and important things for us to do as people who are on this journey of faith. Now, in many ways, when we talk about the whole soul thing, it's gone kind of commercial. We see it in lots of different places, secular and sacred. 
I had thought that the, you may have read or heard of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I just thought that was a book. It's like a whole thing now. It's like a corporation. It's spitting out all kinds of things about how to tend to your soul. One of the modern saints of our day, uh, St. Oprah Winfrey, of course, has always had, or has had, Super Soul Sunday. Ten seasons on her own network, and I didn't know this. There's been over a thousand episodes that she has recorded about that, talking about what soul means and what it means to others. The soul makes us unique, and we care for and nurture it and tend it. And we also, if we do go on that path, we might think about our souls, think, all right, what does it mean? Where can I find it? What will, where can I go so that I can get a better sense of it? And so people want to sell you all kinds of things to help you find it, or may say, you've got to go far away on some kind of pilgrimage, and then you will find your soul. It's kind of looking all over the place to find it. And so I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to take a song break uh, in the midst of our sermon here real quick. And so Shelby's going to come up. Uh, how many of you have seen Barbie? Yeah, quite a few. One of the kind of lovely things about the movie uh, is that it has brought back into prominence the song by the Indio, Indigo Girls, Closer to Fine. Uh, and so uh, we're going to sing part of that because part of this song talks a little bit about that journey, that discovery of people trying to find something that is out there, and you might call it the soul. So, are you ready? ready. All right, I'm going to have you lead us. All right, everybody. If you know it, sing. <laughs> um, I went to the doctor. doctor. We go to the mountains, we look to the children, we drink from the fountain, we go to the downhill, we go through the workout, we read up on revival, we stand up for the lookout, there's more than one answer to these questions, pointing me at a crooked Source for song defending closer I am to find the closer I am to find. Thank you, Shelby. So we get a sense from this song, people doing all kinds of things. We go to the doctor, we go to the mountains. We go to the children in the fountain. We go to the Bible. We go through all these things to try to find that thing that might help tell us who we are. But actually, maybe it's closer than we think. Maybe we don't necessarily have to go to all of those places in order to find a sense, that blueprint of who we are. And a hint, again, is in this passage the Lord God formed humans from the dust and then what? Breathed into the nostrils the breath of life. Perhaps rather than going all over the place, where is my soul? How can I find it? Where do I discover it? Who has got to have their soul saved? Maybe we just stop and say, actually, it is right here in our midst, the breath that God breathes into the first humans and the breath that God breathes into all of us. 
yesterday or this weekend uh, is the one of my favorite times of the year, the Printers Row Lit Fest uh, down in the South Loop, just a couple of blocks from where we live. And my dad came in this weekend as, uh, I guess to see his family, but really to see the Printers Row uh, Lit Fest. Uh, but one reason, uh, one of his favorite authors and mine is an author named Padraig Otauma, who is an Irish uh, poet and theologian. And uh, in, uh, he wrote a book and he was talking about um, this sense of what home is. And he wrote, a, and he, this is from, <clears throat> in his book, he says, I remember reading through an old National Geographic magazine. There was a story in it about a photojournalist who was returning after many years' absence to Papua New Guinea, where she had grown up. She had taken pictures of a remote area in the jungle, and when she lived there as a child, her parents had worked as medics and missionaries, and it worked among a nomadic tribal group who moved between different homelands depending on the season. She recalled the language of her youth, a language that she had learned from her friends. And interestingly, in this language, there was no word for hello. Instead, upon seeing someone, one simply said, you are here. So imagine in our passing of the peace, rather than saying good morning, we simply say, you are here. And the response is simply, yes, I am. You are here. Yes, I am. You are here. Yes, I am. And Podrick says, whether by fact or fiction, it remains that for decades I have thought of the words, you are here, and yes, I am, as good places to begin something that might be called prayer. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being, nefesh, soul. I think it's important for us to go on that journey of discovery. What does it mean to have a soul? What does my soul mean? And certainly I'm not saying it's bad to go on a pilgrimage or to read all the books or to sing all the songs or to go to other people's that's all well and good, but at the end of the day, God breathed into us, and our soul is closer than you can imagine, because you are here. Yes, I am. Your soul is deep within you, that blueprint of who you are. And as ChatGPT might try to explain all of these things, it cannot get at that essence of your you-ness, of how God created you, of how God breathed into you that beautiful, amazing, messy soul that I have and that you have as well. So friends, as we go on that journey of discovery, start knowing that you are here and that you breathe and that is your soul, and that is enough. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, you have created so many wonderful things in our world, including the ability to create technology and all kinds of machines and devices that we use in our lives. And as we make use of those things, help us to also stop and be grounded in the essence of who you have created each of us to be. Let us not forget that breath as who we are as soul friends to you and to others. 
Lord, we pray that you'd continue to breathe into us so that we might see the beauty of the souls of others. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.